You're listening to High Shelf Gaming. In this week's episode, we bring on a new friend of the show, Riley. Now, Riley comes to us from Twitter, a, you know, kind of a friend of the friend, and they have been to like 15 PAX conventions. So PAX South and PAX East and West and Unplugged and Australia. They have been to all of these shows. And this year, 2020, is going to be their first Gen Con. So a few years ago, we did a newbie Q&A with Gen Con, and that is still great content. If this is your first Gen Con and you have a bunch of questions, we probably handled it in that episode two years ago. We will link below and in this episode. Now, with Riley's perspective, it's really about a comparison between PAX and Gen Con. So it's a really cool deep dive into the way PAX does it versus the way Gen Con does it. Just an all-around great episode. And without further ado, let's get started. High Shelf Gaming is a podcast where David and Rich discuss tabletop gaming. Everything from board games and role-playing games to gaming conventions. They provide reviews, strategies, tips, and house rules to enhance your gaming and convention-going experience. Hey everyone, David here with High Shelf Gaming, and as always, I'm joined by the petulant Rich. Oh my god, is this in reference to all the pepalichine I've been doing lately? The what? <laughs> Pepalipichine. What is this? Pepalipachine is when you practice going up and down rocks. This is fake. There's no way this is real. No, I thought it was called Pepalipachine. <laughs> what? When I go up and down rocks? No? Gonna, Am I got this gonna, wrong? Am I making up another word for my own dictionary? I'm going to have to look this up afterwards. There's no way that's a real thing. Audience, everyone go out, get into nature, and Pepalipachate a little bit. It's really a good thing to do, especially get your heart rate up, you know, great exercise. It's exactly what you, the, the doctor ordered. Oh my God. So yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been a perpetualent person lately. Yes. That's not where I was going with it, but I am glad that there is a thing about rocks. Okay. So in the crazy rocks. world of Dave's dictionary, what does that mean? It means you're uh, rude and. <laughs> oh, well then you pretty much nailed it too. Ill, Ill humored, you know. I thought like, that's uh, just when people called me an asshole. <laughs> you petulant. Yes. <laughs> I need to teach people that word next time. I'll be like, no, I'm petulant. Yeah. <laughs> Where I go scramble up and down rocks. <laughs> that's right. So, yes, we will get there. But, Dave, thanks yes. for bringing that up and expanding my dictionary once again at the beginning of one of our episodes. You bet. You bet. And patiently waiting for us to get through our bit. Riley, welcome. Welcome to the show. It is so nice to have you on our show. <laughs> it's really hard to keep it together during that yeah. segment. <laughs> I believe a pepper chinolate is, well, you, first of all, you get the best ones from Italy and they're Ooh. the Ooh. perfect addition to any shark cuttery, I, I must say. Well, all right. Now we're getting uh, thrice educated. This is fantastic. <laughs> You mean my made-up word's a real word? That is awesome. <laughs> right, Riley? It's a pepper chinolate? Yeah, it's it's a pepperoncini. Pepperoncini. <laughs> I like Good how science. you almost had a little Italian accent there. It's a pepperoncini. It's a me, Mario, and my pepperoncini. It's a me, Mario. I don't like my brother. 
I don't that's right. That's right, because you keep speeding him in uh, go karts. Um, yeah, yes. And, and I saw can... lots of Mario's at Pack South. There were lots of Mario Luigi Ooh. Luigi fans. So yeah, that's always yeah. fun when you're at a con and you see that cosplay. That's yeah. always great. You know, Riley. Yes. Before we get to going to the question, yeah. everybody wants to know. You know, what was the first games you played? What do you like to play? What are you playing yeah. now? You know, board oh. gamer. You know that kind of jazz. The history of Riley Gaming. That's right. <laughs> that does so, sound like a good company name. <laughs> here at Perpetulations.com, we would like to improve your livelihood with wholesome gaming content. That's right. <laughs> I got my start gaming, I like to say, when I forced... I mean, the first games that I can remember being played are probably like... Probably like the Battlezone tank. You remember that? It was oh, just like yeah. wireframes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. And you, it was really kind of tough to understand what was going on. And then you died. And it turned and then out you there died. were behind you. Yeah. And it was 360. You kept, so you yeah. always had to keep looking around. Yeah. yeah you got to spin. You got to make sure that you're not getting boxed in. And somehow yeah. every time you died, no matter if you understood it or not, you would come back and you would get better somehow. Right. You have no idea what you learned, but you have no idea what you learned. learned Yeah, it was eldritch knowledge bequeathed (laughs) to you by the beings, the forerunners who came previous. (laughs) Known as Atari. (laughs) (laughs) That ancient god. Yes. But yeah, I sort of got my start with that. But really, the first game that I loved was. Probably a lot of people, stereotypical one who were 90s kids. The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. (sighs) I loved that game. My brother, my dad and I would play it nightly. It was a ritual. My dad would play the controller. My brother would look out for things in the periphery, trying to make sure that we didn't get got by like keys, rogue keys. And you had like screen scouts. Like, yeah, yeah. My brother was the screen scout. That's a perfect definition for it. And I myself, I was in charge of the gaming guide. So oh. I got to read the game guide and got to find help us get all the Skulltullas, the gold Skulltullas. I just started falling in love with game guides first. I didn't really fall in love with games because I didn't really play games at first. Right. And so it was really more game guides that's and, interesting. And, and so you became like a, a student of them. It's like this game guide yeah. is quite good. And this game oh guide. Oh my God, dude. And rubbish. that was that was what we had back then. Oh, yeah. It really it was. was. The there was 1 800 Nintendo number and <laughs> game yep. guides. And it was, and you had to get the right one. Like the Prima ones were my favorite. Yeah. Did you prefer the unofficials types or the official ones? Like what was the, what was the so, delineator there? Yeah, the delineator there was, I preferred the unofficial ones that weren't really canon, as opposed to the official game guides, because the official game guides were all like, here is the game, how you should experience it. Oh, what about this secret over here? Maybe you'll have to play the game to find out about it. And the non-official ones were like, yo, so there's this dank shit way off to the side you gotta like ledge jump and do all this crazy shit and my brother wayne he tried to do it but i have a bet it was like so garage you know like that's awesome my brother Dwayne can't even do it but i believe in you dear reader i believe in you you, dear reader follow these steps and you too can backwards long jump 
all the way up Mario Princess Peach's castle. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was just this Wild West thing. I, I remember one of my favorite guides was the guide for uh, Star Wars Shadow of the Empire. I mm. loved that game and I loved that game guide. Just so in depth and good. See, and yeah, that, that's Go like on. a lost art now. Like that, that just doesn't now it's just like you know, YouTubers doing like little bits and you just find the one that does the little bit you care about. It's just a completely lost art these days. It really is. And there was a lot of passion put into those things. Like I have my whole collection of them sitting on a shelf. The ones I really love. The Ocarina of Time one barely has a front and back cover from how many times I. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just loved reading all the little things. I learned curse words from some of those. Yes. They snuck them yeah. in there and your parents didn't know about it. Yeah, right. So like, yeah, my introduction to gaming was from this like analytical, theoretical perspective at first. That's and me. then I didn't really play games. And so I started reading about games. And one of my first subscriptions was Game Informer. Yeah, so I, buddy. <sighs> you want to talk about lost arts? Those magazines are beautiful. Yes. Like, my God, I have... I have almost 150 copies of Game Informer. That's how long wow. I was subscribed to it. It's Jeez. a legitimate small collection that I had. And from there, once Game Informer started recommending something, I would go buy it. And then I would start playing games. And that's sort of how I got into gaming myself. That's so cool. And yeah. Some of the games I'm really into now are Pokemon Shield. Oh, my mm. gosh. Just mm-hmm. so clean and happy and bright. And Super Mario Maker 2. I love that game, too. I watch endless hours. <laughs> I watch endless hours of people playing Mario Maker 2 levels, and then I go and try and make a level, and I'm like, oh, right, I'm really bad at yes. this, but oh well. <laughs> yes, that's how I feel all the time with those. Yeah. This, yeah, that's my YouTube experience as well. It's like, okay, there was a time when David would have been probably okay at this. today's david is not i just uh, i'll just watch and enjoy other people's greatness missed the train (laughs) right did not (laughs) punch my ticket yeah exactly so what got you into how did you make the leap from that into tabletop gaming because i know you do a lot of that so i actually got into tabletop gaming when i was about 10 and it started with my friend tyler he invited me over to his house he was about three or four years older than me And his friends were consequently three or four years older than me. So I was kind of the young one at the time. But they all wanted to play this second edition version of D&D that had this thing called the Curse of Strahd involved in Ravenloft. Oh, yeah. That's a classic setting. Yeah. The very first game I ever played was actually Ravenloft in (laughs) D&D. That's I mean, that's notable, really, because Ravenloft back then was so well thought out. Oh my gosh, yeah. The detail that went into it. And then when the third edition stuff came out, we just switched over almost immediately. So I started DMing when I think I was 11 for that group. Wow. And I've just been... Good on you. I'm almost 30 now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a long run of of DMing. And and I'm sure that people who are your age are coming in and going, oh, I've been playing D&D for like six months. And you're like, yeah, I've been playing it since I was 11. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I love the people who come into it who've only been playing for like six months. I've watched a couple of their streams and... The things that people are doing with tabletop role-playing games now, I mean, again, 
I've been playing this stuff for 20-ish years, right? That's right. two full decades. Yeah. And I watch some of the streams that are out now, and I'm like, oh my god, that's an entirely new way to play the game yes. that I've never yeah. thought about. The kind of golden age of not, I don't want to say golden age of like role-playing, it feels more like a golden age of role players. Yeah. Like there's so many new role players entering the scene with so many different ideas. Yep. And I think game developers are just like holding on for dear life. Like I hope that we're relevant to this group because holy smokes, they're doing amazing things. Yep. They are trying to meet the demand. We are definitely in the golden age of tabletop role playing creationers. Yeah. Yeah. It feels really, really strong, right? It feels really strong. Yeah. It feels like we really got our footing last year. I want to say around March-ish and everything since has just sort of taken off. That's awesome. That's greatness. But it's been really good. I've really, I've had a lot of good luck DMing. I got to actually DM Gabe and Tycho of Penny Arcade fame in front wow. of an audience of like a couple thousand people at one Whoa. of the boxes two Super times notable. and that was pretty cool did you That's... have a chance to get a tpk and you held back <laughs> no uh gabe actually ended up riding on a flying unicorn pegasus away and huh. finding a sweet treasure <laughs> so that was pretty yes cool. <laughs> yeah. jerry and my that's fantastic really. that's so yeah. that's so cool i i like i love that one that there are celebrity gamers, right? right? I think I think that's I think that's cool because I think that what ends up happening is people who have never found a group, they have someone that they can at least get an idea of what it what happens. And yeah. then when they do find a group, they have some context and they're not just looking at this big tome going, "Man, I don't even know where to begin." Yeah, oh, yeah. for real. I mean, between between Penny Arcade who really started the actual play format and then mm-hmm. Critical Role, who got the acclaim with it and really popularized it. And then all of the other people. Yeah, we're. It was like 2015, 2016 that tabletop role playing games really took off like Stranger Things and Critical right. Role and all of these things just coalesced into so many new people coming into space. And it's really beautiful to see. And the other piece to this is because you have this kind of pedigree in your background and you've done some really notable games for, for, for not only Penny Arcade, but some other groups as well. And you're in a lot of games, you're very much in the scene and you're very much going to a lot of conventions. Yeah. I have gone to, I counted this up recently. I've gone to fix 15 PAXs and I've gone to East, West, South and Oz. Haven't made it to dev but did manage to make it to Unplugged this last year. So. Oh, hey, good. Yeah, yeah. The, Unplugged this year is my first PAX ever. Oh, my God. It was and so good, right? It was really, really good. It's so different than what I'm used to from a tabletop role-playing convention. Yeah. But I dug the format. It just felt like, oh, okay, this is incredibly easy to like grasp what's going on and access, and like people can just jump in and start doing things, and there's not a bunch of... like effort involved and that's yeah. really good that's that's ideal yeah and there was just such a special energy around unplugged this year it's like everybody decided to go and yep. really try and make it this thing i met so many people there it was just so cool yeah yeah it was a great great experience and i can't wait for pax unplugged next year i'm, I'm definitely same. going it's, it's so good same and you've done all these paxes so you have all this like 
knowledge around that. Have you done any other kinds of conventions? I know we're doing this episode because you're getting into yeah. Gen Con for the first time. And yeah. Gen Con is a, it's, it's a different beast. <laughs> I've, so- I've heard as such. I have done 15 PAXs. Yeah. And I actually worked at Penny Arcade for a couple of them doing warehouse stuff. Oh, wow. And I got to be in the lobby of Big Bad Con to meet up with Dungeon Commander, but I didn't actually meet up with. I didn't actually go to that convention, so you never yeah. like carried a badge or anything like that. Yeah, I'm just going to meet you in the lobby and yeah. then we're going to bounce. Yeah, yeah. Good. I just I just messaged them and was like, yo, do you want to meet up and like talk? And they were like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, cool. And so we did. And then that was it. Nice. <laughs> and so Gen Con this year will really be my first convention that I've ever been to. That's not a PAX. Excellent. Okay, cool. Yeah. Way to, way to go for like the big, the big show. Yeah. Right. Like you're not, you're not starting with with like a, you're not starting with like an origins or even like one of the other smaller Midwest con con or something. something. No, No, let's go straight to the biggies. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Just deep end it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, Rich and I, we've, you know, the folks that listen to the show, they they know that we've been doing Gen Con for a long time and we're really invested in that scene. Yeah. We run a lot of games at Gen Con. We do a lot of different events at Gen Con. And I'm sure that you are used to being very active at conventions, too. So I'm really excited oh, yeah. to kind of have this conversation with you about maybe how you can be active at Gen Con and be successful at that and and, and all those things. Like, I, I'm just really jazzed to kind of hear what you're curious about regarding Gen Con and that we can like spin off into the ways that you can uh, accomplish all that stuff. Yeah, I'm really excited to ask questions. If you want me to, I've got a couple. Let's do this. Yeah, cool. let's do it. Yeah, question one. Question uno. So you've been to PAX Unplugged now. Yes. And you've been going to Gen Con for a while. Mm-hmm. For So I guess the first thing I would ask, for somebody who has only experienced a board gaming convention through the lens of PAX Unplugged. What is the biggest difference between that and Gen Con that you would tell a newcomer? I would tell you the first difference you're going to notice immediately is the scale. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Whereas PAX Unplugged is in the Philadelphia Convention Hall, Mm -hmm. Gen Con is in the Indianapolis Convention Hall and like eight surrounding hotels. Oh, gotcha. So when, so when you schedule your games that you're going to play or run, it might say things like Lucas Oil 202. Well, that's in the football stadium next to the convention center. Oh, okay. And then you might go to True Dungeon, which is also in Lucas Oil. Or and then you JW. might go to a role-playing game, which is in the JW Marriott, which is through the, from Lucas Oil through the convention center to a catwalk to a hotel. Oh, boy. Yeah. So it really and then if takes you're in the indie hall, that's its own area with its own like six or you know I'm gonna I, I say three separate halls, but then all the other rooms that are on the second level oh, too. Oh, like the the yeah. convention, yeah, the convention yeah. center itself, of course, is jam packed full of games. Yeah. Most of the board games are at the convention center. Most of the role playing games are in the hotels, and then there's specialty stuff like like True Dungeon and that sort of thing that find their space and so yeah just logistics of moving from event to event can be a challenge for a new gen con attendee 
Gotcha. So it's just very expansive and all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the convention center itself is larger than the Philly convention center. Oh, sure. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So well, what are your thoughts of... on bring extra shoes or bring extra socks for walking? Oh, I'm an extra socks guy. <laughs> That's me. Fair. <laughs> um, yeah. it, there are some other differences, right? Okay. So the the other like primary difference that I noticed when I was walking around PAX, PAX has this fantastic concept of the enforcer, right? And it's a it's yeah. a it's a you know somebody in their twenties typically wearing a t shirt that says enforcer on the back, and they're very helpful, and they'll like get you where you need to go or help you run the lines or whatever. And they're the they're the volunteers of the show, right? And they're ever present. There's a lot of them. Gen Con has people in staff shirts. Right. And they're ever present as well. There's Gen Con staff all over the place, but it is a different feeling. Gotcha. So I'll admit, like straight up, there is a different emotional impact when I walk up to somebody who has a shirt that calls them an enforcer versus walking up to somebody who has a shirt that says staff. Right. Hmm. They're going to do the same thing for me. They're going to help me get where I need to go and all those things. But there is like admittedly a different emotional impact when I'm talking to a staffer versus talking to an enforcer. What and would so, you say the main difference of that emotion is? Because I have some thoughts about enforcers. Sure. Sure. I, you know, my, my interaction with enforcers has all been entirely positive. And so I get that sense that, well, the enforcers feel like I'm getting more of a security angle out of the person. Yeah, um, that makes sense. And, and but again, I've only been to the one pack. So you having so much like experience with packs, you may have a completely different, ex, you know, uh, take on the enforcer. Uh, yeah. So I guess I can use this to segue into a second question I actually have. Yeah, it's interesting that the fact that Gen Con staff is called staff while Penny Arcade is called enforcers, because. One of the recent topics that's sort of come up in terms of running conventions and using that label is the fact that, you know, the enforcers are great. I don't mean this to be a besmirchment of the many, many volunteers who help run the convention and make it work in many ways. But that being said, the name enforcer is sort of. It's not problematic but it does lend to mind a certain mindset of just as you said, security and enforcement. Right. Like a judge dread situation like where maybe this person has situation. too much power. <laughs> yeah. And in some cases, some of the enforcers dress a little militaristically. Like there's not oh. really an enforcer dress code. You just have to wear the shirt and then you can mostly wear anything else. And so some enforcers ah, go really all out. And some enforcers look like they're prepared for a Mad Max style universe, which one (laughs) is really cool, but, but could make somebody feel a little nervous. Yes. (laughs) Like maybe this person is on a power trip. Yes. And that, that (laughs) mindset that sort of comes with that has been something being addressed by the enforcer community to date. Interesting. And I don't know if that's going to change or not. And so, yeah. So, okay, good. So uh, Gen Con staff, they wear nice black vests, 
And those vests are covered in buttons from like <laughs> sure. past conventions they've run and like games they're into. Oh yeah. And our our own ambassador at Gen Con, Gen Con Amy, she has a giant HSG logo in like sparkly pink on the back of her vest. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, they, they can customize their vest. It has to say Gen Con on it, like Gen Con staff and staff on the back. Yeah. But otherwise they can do anything they want with the vest. So it's very fun and yeah. very festive. And that part I I really do like, and I get what you're saying about the enforcer bit. You know, that's, again, I have limited exposure, so limited, you know, read on the situation. So that's really yeah. neat. Yeah, and a lot of enforcers do do fun stuff like that as well. There, some enforcers make themselves a very known commodity because these are people who do this year after year, right? Oh, so right. there's the top hat enforcer. There's the lab coat enforcer. There's the enforcer who has an entire skirt made solely of lanyards. And yes. people have buttons that they put on things and a lot of the pins and the pin trading stuff that goes on. Oh, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's of a course. lot of the stuff that you get at Gen Con, I think, as well. But yeah, yes. just that simple naming thing, the effect that sort of had down the line is kind of interesting as well. Yeah, and yeah. Okay. I'm kind of interested. I'm very interested to see how Gen Con, what that emotional difference is for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. Like, I would love after Gen Con, if you come away with a takeaway, like I felt better or different in certain ways. I would love to hear that that input because, you know, Rich and I come from this background of heavy Gen Con use and very <laughs> yeah. little packs because Rich went to Pack South. So we, oh, both yeah, have, yeah. we both have one PAX under our belt. Did you like patch, PAX South? You know, as I was wrapping up, I think what it was, it was a really well put together con. Everybody was super nice, but here comes the butt, right? Yeah. I was running games under HSG there for mm -hmm. the event. So that's what, that's what got me there. Wanted to see what was going on. I'm not as video game heavy as I was. <laughs> and of course the board game slash role playing section is growing. And I think this yeah. year was the biggest it's ever been. Yeah. So would it have been one that I would have signed up personally go to? I'm thinking not. Am I going to go next year? Heck yeah. If we have an opportunity to um, run some games there, I'll run more games than I did this last year. But that was just my take was not necessarily my con to go to. Now, as the people at the con, the enforcers at the con, the exhibitors at the con, the exhibit hall, all A+. Plus. Yes. Everything was done so well. Oh. You know, you bump into someone and everyone's all, oh, hey, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah. Everybody just had a really good attitude. Um, I, I couldn't give it anything but, a, but an A+. It's just... I want a little bit more gaming. In yeah. Can, let's take a second talking about the dealer hall. Because I think a lot of people go to Gen Con for the dealer yes. hall. Yes. Okay. Interesting. What's because the Bring hall? an extra bag to fill up and then it is, bring back home with you. It is so big. Yeah. People will pack luggage inside their luggage. Oh. So they can buy all the games at Gen Con they can't get anywhere else. Because there are games that are oh. launching at Gen Con and you won't be able to get in stores for another six months. People are selling rare games that you can't find anywhere else. Interesting. That kind of thing. And the 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 dealer hall has so many vendors, you know, at PAX, you yeah. could have like two people in wheelchairs going the opposite direction, surrounded by their friends and still enough room for me as a solo rider you know, weaving between that, getting to where Heck I want to yeah. go in the deal. Yeah. Just tons of room. Yeah. Gen Con, there's so many vendors. That's not the case. 
It is accessible, but it's it's busy. It's always busy. Gotcha. And so there is this sense of, you know, when you go into the dealer hall, you really shouldn't stop to take cosplay photos. You really <laughs> shouldn't stop to talk to somebody because there's this flow of traffic. Valid. Getting to all the different. Oh, yeah. Just like there's a cosplay area so they can get together in that area and have photos taken. I don't think that's true at Paxis. I think people just take pictures as they're walking around. Right. Yeah. So to. Yeah. Yeah. To accommodate that, they have that cosplay photo area right outside of the dealer hall. So you run into somebody. Nice. Hey, can I take your picture? They say, yes, let's go outside of the dealer hall where there's that really nice big backdrop and we'll take a picture there and then we can all go back in to the dealer. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's something like that at PAX's. There's cosplay areas where people are encouraged to cosplay, but there's nothing like that culture of stepping off to the side, I feel like. Right, right. Yeah, yeah and maybe it's just not necessary because they've got really? so much extra space between the booths. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, those booths are very expensive. There's a bunch of companies oh, yeah. that share booths at Gen Con because they're just so expensive to get into. Uh, and then you yeah. see the Paizos and the other gaming companies there that just take up whole, you know, city blocks, basically. You know, they take up yeah. huge corners of the convention hall. You will not see Wizards there. So Wizards oh. of the Coast does not have a booth at Gen Con traditionally. They were there for Gen Con 50, but, excuse me, traditionally Wizards of the Coast does not show up to Gen Con. Interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, Baldwin oh. Games is there, and they're running tons of D&D games. And there's lots of D&D representation there. Yeah. But Wizards specifically does not have a booth where you can go buy Wizards games. Huh. I didn't realize that. I just sort of assumed that they'd be there. Huh. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it used to be their convention, right? It was yeah, yeah. Uh, TSR's convention, and then it was Wizards of the Coast convention, and <laughs> then the founder of Wizards of the Coast left Wizards of the Coast, and he said, I'm taking Gen Con with me. And oh. they all said, okay, great. Well, let's part amicably, and, Wiz- and Wizards focuses on other conventions. Gotcha. I guess that's the part of the history that I didn't know about Wizards. I didn't know their owner left with the Gen Con ownership. Huh. Yeah, and he still, I think, owns Gen Con today. Right? Well, <laughs> Just crazy. Yes. Like there's yeah, Gen no. Con has been has been a convention since before D was a product. Oh yeah. But but definitely the two of them have a tightly woven shared history. So even oh, though yeah, Wizards is not there, Riley, Wizards is there, right? I mean they're in <laughs> the every Spectre. independent yeah. seller booth, they're in the half price books booth, they're in yeah. All these other booths, it's just Wizards kind of doesn't have to show up and still have a giant presence there. Because they don't need to, because it's right. so ingrained. Interesting. Right. Yeah, it's very that's, interesting, yeah. That's historically fascinating to me. I love knowing stuff like that. Huh. Cool. Yeah, actually, uh, we are in the works of bringing on a Gen Con historian, and we're going to deep dive into when Gen Con was at the Playboy Mansion and when Gen oh. Con was at various colleges and oh. Oh. just all these different like oddball things that, sorry, I, should, so I shouldn't say Playboy Mansion. It, it's like the Playboy Country Club from way, I don't, it's like the Playboy something way back in the day. So it's To like, be exposed oh. in a future episode. Yes, yes, yes. There's tons of like just crazy history there. I'm going to have to check that out when that episode drops because I'm genuinely curious about it. Yes, that. me too. <laughs> Huh. Okay. Huh. So I I have another question. PAX has a lot of panels. Like there's the expo hall floor. 
And then there's a lot of panels that you go to. Is Gen Con very panel heavy? Yes. Yeah, okay. I would say absolutely. Uh, one, the Any Awards happen at Gen Con. Okay. So there's a, the Any's ceremonies and all of that kind of stuff. All the voting happens leading up to Gen Con. Got and it. then everybody gets their prizes at Gen Con. And of course, almost every game manufacturer runs panels. Uh, there's always you know, podcasts running panels, there's creators running panels, there's, you know, a diversity folk running panels, there's OSR running. I mean, if you want to find a certain kind of panel, odds are there's two or three of them going on at Gen Con. Cool. Okay. That's good to know. To create a panel, like let's say, Riley, you wanted to run a panel. Yeah. All you have to do is go to the events submission form and say, you know, I, Riley, want to run a panel and you know, give me a space and they will do everything they can to get you a space uh, that would be fitting of your audience size. Oh, interesting. It's not like a submission process. Yeah. You submit, sorry, you submit a thing, but, but they are very eager to give space. Like whenever we want to run games or do panels, it feels very much like they have enough space that if you wanted to run a panel, they can get you some room somewhere in one of the hotels or in the convention center where your panel could could happen. Interesting. Huh. Because I had a panel that I was going to do for incoming plug. My show Pact List Patrons. <laughs> yes. That got actually rejected from PAX. So huh. oh. I might check that out for Gen Con. I would recommend it. So the event submission is open right now. Okay. If you do it but before, there's a certain cutoff date, I want to say in March. Okay. It's probably in March. If you get it before the cutoff date, then your panel will be active on registration day. Oh, And that's that important. matters because a lot of people are looking for events on registration day. And if your panel's in there, they are likely to attend it. Yeah, if your panel is, is, is after the cutoff, it will eventually get into the catalog, but it will be when they can get to it. Okay. So another question, what's registration day then? Yes. Uh, so registration day does change a little bit every year. This year, 2020, it's May 17th. Okay. So if you're listening, dear listener, if you're listening to this in future years, just go to GenCon.com. And as long as you're in, you know, February or later of the year, they're going to detail right on the main page, event registration day. It's always in May, but the specific day can change. And event registration, it's intense. It is a, it is its own Olympic event registration (laughs) where you line up with all your friends and everyone fills their cart before registration opens and you put all the things you want, all the things your friends want, because you get in order to where things like panels, luckily, are much easier to get into. But yep. everybody's looking through the catalog before this day. Everybody's comparing their notes before this day oh. to where when that day comes and noon hits and everyone hits, you know, where am I at in the line for submitting my cart? That then tells you if you're in the front of the line, well, odds are you're going to get your cart. If you're at the end of the line, you're never going to get your cart. You, you so, know, it's it's a tough one. Oh, by cart, you mean, so you have to sign up to attend panels and stuff? Yes. Now, a lot of panels are are easier. Are easier. You, could, you could probably just walk up and get in. Oh, sure. But if you want a guaranteed seat, 
you would like it's it's beneficial to sign up for the panel so that when you walk up to the door, you either have a ticket or your badge is already approved for the panel and they'll let you in. And once all the people with badges or tickets get in, then they say, "Okay, anybody else who wants in can get a seat until it's full. So if you want a guaranteed seat at a game or at a panel or at a thing, you do want to go through event registration. And another thing about being in it for that day is everyone is looking at it so intensely and then also yeah. re-looking at it for things to do also on times maybe they didn't get a game to play Firefly. So oh. they didn't get to play Firefly, the role-playing game. So now right. they're like, what do yeah. I do with that four hours? They yeah. see your panel. Hey, I want to go yep. check that out. And they right. sign up. Right. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't realize this level. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So because PAX is much different, isn't it? On its yeah. sign up process and doing things. Oh, yeah. PAX is way different. You buy a badge. And if you want to go to a panel on a date, you line up in the line and you wait there. And if right. the line caps, then you don't get to go. There is no pre-registration for anything. Correct. Yeah. So in the past, that's how Gen Con was run. It was based on lines. Interesting. And People hated it so well, much yeah. so that Gen Con said, all right, we're going to invent an event registration system. And if you have a ticket, you can just walk up and go in. If you don't have a ticket, you have to wait and see if there's an available spot. And that also means that a lot of the events like role playing games and that kind of thing yeah. have a nominal fee. Because oh. there's like a two dollar fee or a four dollar fee. And Ooh, is this the, new info to Riley too? Yeah, I didn't. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, if, if uh, let's say, uh, so high shelf gaming, we're going to be running a bunch of events at Gen Con and Riley, if you wanted to run events at Gen Con, you certainly could. Okay. Um, Gen Con charges a base rate for games. Panels are free, but games have a base rate based on how long that game is. Huh. And what that does is it, is it prevents people from registering for games they're never going to attend. That makes sense, honestly. So there is this there. It's kind of weird. Like I, I having gone through packs, I understand the I bought my ticket. I can ride any ride I want for free. Yeah, sure. That feels good as a as an attendee, as an event runner. It sucks when you set up yeah. your event and nobody shows up. Yep. And, and Rich had that happen a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yikes. I got all set up and no one showed up. Oh, no. I think it, it must have been a group bought me out and then right. they got delayed. And right. so they had all the tickets lined right. up for it. Oh, so I sure. just sat there for like an extra 20 minutes and yep. people took pity oh. on me. They'd walk by and be like, oh, <laughs> did no one show up for your game? So so it is kind of interesting because interesting. there's this $2, $4 ante. Yeah, people show up for the game because they yeah. invested. There's a buy-in. There's a buy-in. Yeah, 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 exactly. There's like two hot dogs worth of buy-in there. I better do this. <laughs> two That's... hot dogs. You haven't been buying hot dogs at Gen Con. Yeah, <laughs> One hot dog say. worth of buy-in. <laughs> One bite of a hot dog's worth. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So That's fascinating. There's um yeah our Gen Con Survival Guide series is like five episodes long. Because yeah. event registration is so involved that huh. it gets its own episode because there's so many different ways to approach event registration. Because some people just get generic tickets and they just wait in the line and they get a seat and it's yeah. all good. and It's all cool in the game. So it just depends on how you want to attend Gen Con. If you want a guaranteed seat, you're going to go through the registration process. 
Oh, these this these are okay. See, these are the dark, dark dealings that I <laughs> craved, that I yearned for coming on here. Because yes. I again, 15 Paxson. I have right. no conception of how anybody else does it. In point of fact, it's kind of parallel to my Dungeons and Dragons experience. Up until last year, I hadn't really played a tabletop role-playing game outside of D&D, like, at all. Like, Dungeons & Dragons, I have a D20 tattooed on the back side of my right hand. Like, that is my level. Yes. (laughs) You're going to have so much fun. I enjoy going (sighs) with Dave, Al, Larry, Ryan, and trying new role-playing games I've never tried before. Yeah. And just seeing yeah. how they are. It is amazing. And in, in, in four hours, they make them to where they fit for that four hours. And you have a good time. And see, this is this is actually something interesting. So you said that when you went to South, you were like, it was a really good convention. It just didn't feel quite my cup of tea. Right, Rich? Right. Totally. Totally. That's kind of how I felt going to Unplugged, to be oh. quite honest. Interesting. I... First of all, PAX South is actually my favorite PAX. I love it. I love the boardwalk and all of the convenient food. Oh, and yes. I love oh, I call so it so much convenient food at Gen Con. It vacation be- PAX, it's definitely. But like, yes. yeah, I went to Unplugged and it was great meeting everybody. But I just sort of walked around and I had that moment too where I was like, I don't know if I'm that into board games. Oh, and right. So, and Unplugged is all about the board game experience. Yeah. And so then, yes, part of the reason that I, yes, part of the reason that I wanted to go to Gen Con is I was like, okay, I really need to test the waters on this. So I really am throwing myself in the deep end, trying to be like, okay, if Unplugged wasn't it, maybe Gen Con is it for me. And so the fact that there's like not a focus on D&D and the dealer's the dealer's room? What's it called again? Uh, the dealer hall. Dealer hall. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like a dream, honestly. Yes. Oh, it's oh. huge. Yeah, I seriously, budget at least a day of okay. your time. So so you might space it out ac- across a couple of days. But like a but day's worth. Yeah. Yes, a day's worth of time to hit, to walk the dealer hall and stop at, say, half the booths. I'm like actually taking notes on my phone right now. That's amazing. Good. <laughs> Um, it, it, it is one of those things. I, I tell you, there are there are gaming companies out there you've never heard of, and four of them will be crammed into one little booth, and you'll sit there and talk to the game developer and company founder for each game, and they will, with glee, explain to you how their game simplifies this or does that or what have you. And frankly, I just rip. I just go through and it's like, yeah. your game is awesome. Give me your game. I'll take the three ideas I love out of it. And boom, it's into my game. Nice. Oh it my is, gosh. It is such good fodder for that kind of stuff. And that's just delicious. The, the passion that these people have in their booze and the games that they run, like everybody that's there. Yeah. Oh gosh. There's this and they're game. almost all running games too out yes. in the halls area, not in yes. the exhibit area oh. or in the dealer hall, but they'll have games going to where if you're like, oh hey, I really like this Sherlock game I'm looking at, they're like, Well, it's set up. You look in the app, you go get yourself set up to go play it if there's yep. seats available. And yeah. the app tells you all this so you don't waste time going there. And you're able to then go do a demo. And I should mention the app is new. So the app 
hit last year. Oh, there's a Gen Con app. <laughs> there's a Gen Con app. It hit oh. last year and it's getting better. It's good. Uh, good. it's, I don't know. How, I, I'm not super confident how it exactly compares to the PAX app, but sure. it's, it's a good app and it, it is getting better as a GM. I love it because I can use my app to scan your badge to say, yes, you are allowed to sit at this game because you've already registered for this game. Oh, nice. That's awesome. It used to be you had a little ticket and you would hand me a ticket. And that was how we did the transaction. But now I can just gain your badge and you get oh, credit. I cool. get credit and we move on. Cool. Yeah. Um, wow. Let's see. Well, there's the there's a whole thing. OK, Gen Con, okay. because it's so big, mm-hmm. has lots of games that you can literally only play at Gen Con. Yeah. Like. Uh, look up mega games the that specific thing is in a couple of different conventions but uh-huh. mega games is a really cool concept that you can find a lot of different iterations of at gen con yeah where one of you is like your friends you and your friends get together and 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 you get saddled with the science portion of the game for your team and you're playing a pandemic and okay. then someone else is in charge of the military and they're playing a risk or access and allies equivalent. And all of you are running a nation together. And another oh. one of you is running is playing the diplomacy end of things. And you're actually playing diplomacy or something along the, like there's all these different ways that they've that these groups have cobbled together games that you cannot play at any other convention. Role playing oh. board games of, of all stripes. So it's one of those things that. For your first Gen Con, I imagine you're going to hit a lot of things that are very familiar. But yeah. as you're walking through, you're going to see things that it's like, what is that? Interesting. And so Gen Con 2, <laughs> you're going to be playing <laughs> a lot Con of 2, very electric boogaloo. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Cool. Huh. Gosh. I mean, I was excited to go, but now I'm like kind of amped. <laughs> like, <laughs> have you excellent. joined the fans of Gen Con page yet on Facebook? <sighs> or maybe you're not a Facebooker. I'm not a Facebooker. Which yeah. is all good. Uh, so I, they have a forum. Gen Con, the Gen Con forums are actually really decent and very kind. Nice. But nice. if you can deign to Facebook, the Facebook group fans of Gen Con is just super wholesome, really great, lots of good information in there. Well, I will dig down deep and find a place in myself to try and go back on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's an anonymous account. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll just I'll just, I'll make an anonymous account just to join the Gen Con crew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is this is rational behavior. I, I, I approve this entirely. Yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> okay food oh, oh i'm food. sorry i'm gonna go to food no. because yeah. this is go a to great food. one to talk about yeah, yeah um, you know the one Where thing we do eat? tell everybody is do not build your schedule too much so you're gonna sure. start looking at all these events and you're gonna go i want to do this block and then i'm gonna go do this block and i'm gonna go do this block it is a little bit more like pack south that you can grab some things in the hall right remember how pack nice. south has that little food area on the side yeah so, yeah they have internal indie selling concession stands. So you can mm-hmm. grab a hot dog, you can get a slice of pizza. But if you just branch out, there's a whole truck alley full of food trucks right Ooh. on the outside. After yeah. that, you just branch out another, even the same block, a little bit more, second block out, tons of great sit-down places, just like going down to the boardwalk. And so, so you really can, if you can build in your food eating schedule, yeah. you can, you can really hit some gems. You know, as I talked about that idea of how you plan out your day, yeah. what do you think your strategy is going to be as you're looking through the registration guide? 
Um, <sighs> what, what, are, what are some of your top things? What are you going to be searching for? How much of each day do you oh. want to be in the convention doing something? Yeah. That's great. So I think I'm probably going to approach it the way I originally approached my very first PAX. I went to my first PAX was PAX East 2012. And I went completely by myself and I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so all that I did is I opened up the registry of the events that were going on and I looked through each day and I said, huh, that sounds vaguely interesting. Let's go to that one. And so I think it's going to be a lot of the same. I think I'm looking to spend about half of it doing programmed stuff or maybe like a third and then just sort of allowing myself the ability to waltz around and see what yes. else can be found. Yes. yes. Al, so, on his first trip, was very similar. I think, you know, back when he came, it was you bought a bunch of generics. Yep. And so mm. he just got himself a roll of generics Ooh, and he let's, popped let's around. Describe, let's describe what a generic is real quick. Yeah. Because these games typically have a base price of two, four, however many dollars. Yeah. If you don't have a game registered in the day, you could go to the staff areas and say, I want $20 worth of generics, and they will hand you 10 $2 tickets. So $20 worth of spend. And you could walk up to any game and say, do you have a spare spot I would like to play? And they would take however many of it's like a going to the fair, you know, yeah. you go to the fair and there's a ticket booth, and you get the tickets and then you walk over and, you know, get to throw the ball or whatever. Yeah, it's it's along those lines. Um, huh. Now, now they're pivoting to an e-ticket system where instead of handing physical tickets over, they just scan your badge. It's that badge scan you were talking about. Exactly. So you will find right now. Some events are still ticketed and they would want generic tickets from you. Mm -hmm. But a lot of events are going to be e-ticket and all they'd have to do is say, if you'd like to sit down, let me scan your badge. They scan your badge and then it'll ask them, do do you want to sell a ticket to Riley? And they say, yep, I'd like to sell a ticket to Riley. And then you would get an email from Gen Con saying, do you want to buy this ticket? Yeah. And you say yes through your phone and then the purchase is made. And now you are, or you're in, you can sit at the table and play that game. Um, huh. So for your first year, I would say buy, if you do the generics route, buy $6, $10 tops of generics. Because okay. most of the events you walk up to are probably going to be e-ticket, but it would be a shame for you to be at the table ready to play and you don't have your generic on hand and you have to run back to get a generic. Yeah, that makes sense. And you can okay. always turn them in at the end to get credit for next year. Turn them in to get credit? Oh. Yeah, you can't get cash back per se. Oh. Some of the role-playing games, like D&D is run by Baldman Games. So there's a group called Baldman, and they run a ton of D&D games. But Paizo runs games, and a bunch of other role-playing companies run their games there. And a lot of them will have a room or a space that's dedicated just to them. Oh, gotcha. So if you were thinking to yourself, I kind of want to try, I don't know, Eclipse Phase Fate. Well, there's mm-hmm. probably going to be an Eclipse Phase room or, a, a, you know, any kind of game company. Our Talsorian is probably going to have Cyberpunk. You could probably go to that room and just say, look, I didn't have a ticket for a specific game, but I see a lot of you in here. Can you just put me at a table? And they're going to be able to find a table for you because cool. all their okay. tables are in one spot. I dig that. 
Yeah. I did manage to think up one of my other questions that I had had on deck. Heck yeah. When I go to a PAX, there's typically at least one moment where I'm like home. Do you know what I mean? For my first PAX, it was I was sitting at a table. I was playing the Game of Thrones board game. I was playing as a Stark and I was making a secret alliance with a Lannister. Yes. And some guy with a loot came up to our table and began gently plunking the Game of Thrones theme song while I was eating beef jerky. You know those Zen moments? Yes. Yes. What are your what are some of your two favorite like Gen Con moments? Rich, why don't you go first? Then I I have one. Dear listener, that is the moment that Dave didn't have an answer, but <laughs> he maybe thinks I will. Mine are all mine is Super Robo Rally. Would we play the uh, big version? It's normally just such a great event with friends, and it is such a great moment that the um, folks that run that are friends, and so we just have fun. And we walk away, If we just walk away with such great memories of playing that event. And we get the crowd laughing along with us. And we just, you know, that's when I'm home because we're having fun. It's camaraderie. And other than that, it's, I'd say my second one is when we usually go to play a new version of Pathfinder, a new version of D&D, a new mm. version of a role-playing game like that, that again, it's, it's sitting down with people, having fun, and they're just enjoying the moment. That's when I kind of have my, oh, I'm happy. I'm at my happy place because yeah. everyone's just enjoying themselves. It seems to be on board games that you sometimes get, you get, you get that over competitive person or you get mm. the person that's a little, they're not patient and that, or kind they're of, not that, paying attention. And yeah. Or like, they're not mm. paying attention. And <laughs> Come on, play it your kind of ruins <laughs> that, that, that feeling of I'm so happy. Most of mine are involved with people being involved and people having a good time. Yeah. I dig that. I would agree that sitting down at the right role-playing table I'll go alone. I'll go with friends. For the longest time, I went and played the fan-run Legends of Five Rings living campaign yes. called Heroes of Rokugan, and that was my home. I would go there. I met everybody again. I knew everybody in there, and it was like, I'm playing a unicorn, and I'm playing a crab, and you know, and and we were all samurai and all that. Like <laughs> that was my happy place because that was my community, and I got yeah. to see them once a year at Gen Con. Nice. And these days, I want to say that, yeah, getting down, getting to sit down at a role playing table and I know maybe one of the persons at the table, maybe nobody, but everybody sits there and just gels and gets into it. It's like, wow, I don't know these people from Adam and I'm having a fantastic time with everybody here. And it just feels good to get to flex that, that, that experience with strangers. And then you know, Rich and I, we do this show. So we always say, Hey, you know, do you want a badge flag or, you know, and we'll run into other people doing podcasts. So there's always this like other like thing where we get to meet people who are doing the same things we're doing. And that also feels really good to find folks in the same vein as you. Yeah. Cool. That's good to hear. There's so many different communities at Gen Con that you will find you know, like I mentioned, the Heroes of Rokugan group, if you go in there and play one of their games, they're going to welcome you. They're going to help you along. And you're going to realize very quickly that everybody in this room knows each other and they're all just having fun with their friends. And if you show up again, you start to get in, right? You start to, you start to, you start to become part of the community. And there's so many groups in there are very, 
hey, you keep showing up and 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 we love you and we we, we want you around. A classic example for our crew is yeah. there is a game called Tower of Gygax, <laughs> which oh boy is God, a, how did I miss that, Dave? Yes, I should be the, kicked the, off this show for missing uh, that. Yes, Go on. yes. The Tower of Gygax is a charity. You show up with a, a two dollar generic ticket, and that gets you one basic or sorry one ad, i think it's a basic D character mm-hmm. like an assassin or an yeah. elf or a magic user or what have you and you are going through the tower of gygax which is a dungeon that will get your character killed yeah and the ticket is one life <laughs> <laughs> uh. and, and and some people go to tower of gygax with the idea of i want to see how far into the tower i can make it Ah. Uh. And they, you know, try and solve all the riddles and it's very classic D&D with trolls and all that kind of stuff. Rich and I's crew, we show up thinking this is a charity. We want to give liberally to this charity. So, (laughs) If you sit at our table, prepare to see a lot of character death because we are jonesing for it. Uh, We will put our heads into bags of devouring. We will uh, push each other off of ledges. We will do anything we can to justify donating more and more to this charity. So that's another one of those like you can go kind of gonzo in this one space and it's a-okay because all the money goes to a charity. Yeah. And it, it feels fun. And as long as everybody at the table is into it, it's a great time. I, I have nice. said to other people, like, hey, by the way, we're about to light this place on fire and all of us are going to die. So if you want to play at the other table over there where everybody seems super serious, you should probably go ahead and do that. <laughs> we're about to just briefly immolate ourselves. So. Yeah. <laughs> But it's fun because you can kind of see, like, the appeal a little bit. Yeah, Like, yeah. I would never want that for my home game. But for yeah. a, I've got an hour to kill. Let's see how many characters I can lose. Like, that's kind of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Holy crud. Yeah, I think that I think that one thing is Gen Con can be overwhelming. Because yeah. there are so many things going on. And I love the idea of, for your first Gen Con... Maybe signing up for one or two things each day. If you're yeah. like, I really care about this, I definitely want a ticket. I'm going to sign up for that. But then cool. the rest of your time, mostly being free time, and that will help with that sense of overwhelming. Whew. I feel like we have given you a bit of a fire hose. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I have wrapped my lips around it. And I'm still drinking. Good. <laughs> still Good. drinking deeply. Good. So, yes, we need to now do the follow-up after your yeah. last, after your first Gen Con. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you would you have me, from? I would love to come back on for it. Yes. That would be phenomenal. Are you going with anyone or are you going solo this time? So I'm I'm going to be staying with a couple of people. Do you know Mr. Puddings or DateBit Gaming on Twitter? So I've seen Datebit Gaming on your on your feed a few times, yeah. but I don't know them per se. Yeah, they are wonderful people in the community. They run the ch- I'll plug their channel. They run the channel Chromatic Chimera. Oh, cool! Which yeah. is doing some really cool stuff. Actually, Abby, who is Datebit Gaming, interviewed me the other day about something completely different. But yeah, Fantastic. they're really good people, and I met them at PAX Unplugged. And we hit it off. And by sheer happenstance, they have an extra spot at their Airbnb 
oh, that nice. I was able to take advantage of for Gen Con. Oh, yeah. So, that means you're avoiding the housing portal. Good on you. Uh, yes. So listen, smart. <laughs> listen, 15 packs of fighting through hotels behind me. I'm like, nope, not going to yep. get introduced to a new system. <laughs> Screw it. <laughs> Way to short circuit that one. I was kind of wondering, like, we haven't talked about housing at all yet. And that's like a big deal. Yep. I was like, no, I'm just going to I'm not even going to care about that. You are already ahead of the curve. Yes. Good on you. Good Good on you. But yeah, I'm going to be going to Gen Con with them. But I don't know how much time we're going to spend together. And uh, I'm more just going to stay with them and have their company in the evenings and mornings. And then I think. I'm going to try and solo it for the most part. We'll see how I feel when I get there, though. Yeah, That's fantastic. And and yeah. odds are you're going to know a great number of people there because oh, so yeah. many attend Gen Con. Yeah. Um, the energy that PAX Unplugged had last year is kind of coalescing this year for Gen Con. Like I was kind of scouting out. I was like, 2020 should be the year that I go to other conventions. So I sure. put out a call And I was like, hey, what are people going to? And a lot of people were like, I'm going to go to Gen Con. This is going to be my first Gen Con. Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen Con. And so I was like, okay, time to do Gen Con. Yeah. So I'm going to plug one last thing for you. Yeah. Before Gen Con on Wednesday, I don't know when you're getting into Indianapolis, but if you're getting into Indianapolis on Wednesday, there is a pre-show called The Stink. The Stink? The stink. This is ancient Gen Con uh, arcane knowledge. Excellent. What do you call a group of gamers? The you call stink. them a stink of gamers. Oh my God. It's all super self-referential meta stuff going on here. But the stink is a fantastic place to go before the convention, meet a bunch of people, play some games. There's a lot of booths at like little community booths, like the um, the gamer section, uh, G-A-Y-M-E-R group is yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. The fans of Gen Con are there and a couple other like accessibility and gaming groups are there. Nice. They each have a little, I call it a booth. It's a table with a sign, nice. you yeah. know, but it's a really neat way to kind of just tip your toe into Gen Con a little bit, meet some of the folks that have been doing it for 30 something years and are deeply in love with it. And people yeah. that are new just go and, and it's just a neat little, you, you, you know, it's no more than a couple hundred people. Cool. And it's in a nice big ballroom and it's, it's a cool thing that I didn't know about for many years. And yeah. I heard, you know, rumblings of it. I was like, that doesn't sound appealing at all, a stink. I don't think I like that. And then I went. <laughs> and I was like, oh, actually, this is really nice. And I am kind of in love with the whole scene. So Good. if you have time on Wednesday, I would strongly recommend it. I will try and make space for that time. <laughs> and Thursday night, there's a really great meetup. That oh, yeah. The, the high shelf gaming meetup on Thursday night. You Plugging are it. absolutely welcome to come. Uh, we play Super Robo Rally, which is the Robo Rally board game, but in Lego form with like oh. Lego Mindstorms running all the stuff. Oh, my God. And there's a guy in a Mad Hatter hat, Steve, that runs the whole thing. And it's it's a brilliant. It's a brilliant, brilliant game. We play it every Thursday that kicks off our meetup. And That's then we fantastic. go to you know, food and drink afterwards, but cool. Yeah. I will, I will see about hitting you up for that. I'll that would be it fantastic. It's in the notes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a gem. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, 
how are you on motorized scooters? What's your feel on motorized scooters? Uh, I have minimal experience. Don't ride them. <laughs> okay. You feel. Okay. You're going to find all around the convention center, like a corpse pile of, of <laughs> motorized scooters where people are done with their scooter. They toss it on the pile. They take a, fo- a photo of it with their phone and walk away. <laughs> oh my God. So no. you're going to see yeah. like, like e-scooter litter all, all around. <laughs> Just prep yourself. <laughs> okay. Good, good note. <laughs> cool. Oh, man. I think those are like the main points that I could think of. Those were the things I wanted to make sure we talked about. I feel like we, I feel enriched. And I don't mean to make that a pun off Rich's name. That's where you just beat me to it. <laughs> good job. The pass is good. I'm quick on the draw. Yes. Yes. Well, I guess then we should probably, Riley, I'd love for you to share with the audience all the projects you're on. You mentioned one of them earlier, which is, I think is your primary project, but you're busy. Like, yeah. You're constantly doing stuff. And you have this like huge obsession with Dune, which I'm kind of in love with because oh Denny, God. I love Denny and I love Dune and you love it. And then like, ah, it's so cool to watch you like just. No one is prepared for the Dune movie this year. No, <laughs> they are not. Nobody. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my plugs, I'm at Riley Gritch on Twitter. That's R-I-L-E-Y-G-R-Y-C. We will link below, folks. That's where I do most of my sadness and thinking. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> comedy erupts from the from the flint and steel of those two. That's right. That's right. Spark of comedy. Right. The spark of comedy. Sadness and I don't know. Yes. Uh, and then A little Pac- bit of obsession <laughs> with <Dune. laughs> Right. And then Packless Patrons is a cartoon animatic series about sad, lonely warlock patrons who have no followers who go to group therapy that we kickstarted last year. If you go to packlesspatrons.com or patreon.com slash packless, you should be able to get to it. And we I are love this the- concept. The whole idea of... <sighs> Of these like eldritch patrons, just so sad that they don't have any warlocks patron like like running I mean, around doing things for them. I love it too. It's really been a blast, and I've been really genuinely lucky to get the amount of talent that we have on the show. So we are in the we are in the final phase of trying to mark up the animation and animatics for episode one. So oh hopefully gosh. that'll come out soon. That is I'm very excited about it. That is so cool. But yeah. It's- Packless patrons, Riley Gritch on Twitter, GRYC. I might be writing a Pacific Rim inspired TTRPG soon. Wow. And I'm definitely writing an SCP and MIB inspired game with the creator of Monsters of Merca and also O Adelaide on Twitter. So that's Jaron and O Adelaide on Twitter. And I'm really excited about those projects as well. That's fantastic. If if you have links for those projects, give me please send them to me and I'll make sure they're included in the show notes so folks can follow up and will, you know watch out for Kickstarters and watch out for launches and all that good stuff. I will gib. I will gib. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> <Cool>. so much. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> that's fantastic. See, I, I knew that you were involved in a lot of projects. I had no idea that you were doing these other things. That's so cool. And then, yeah, I, if I started listing off all of the small things that I'm trying to get done and accomplished, I would be here for another 10 minutes because my <laughs> schedule kind of blew up in the last two weeks. I went from 
doing just packless patrons and a few play by post discord channels. Oh, and yeah. Now I'm like, I genuinely have to schedule time outside of work to work wow. on this stuff. It's yeah. Like, hooey. Well, Riley, thanks a ton for coming on. It's been a real pleasure having you here and just talking about Gen Con and sharing our passion with you and hearing some of the really nice contrasts to what is has traditionally been a blind spot for us. So that was really fun and informative to us to kind of get your insights into PAX and yeah, to and do it, that care, compare and contrast. I, I, I love that part. Yeah, I, I love hearing the passions of people who have just so much knowledge and information. So it's We've been really a treat talking to you and Rich both. It's I've really enjoyed today. That's so nice of you to say to Rich. That's really cute. I appreciate that. <laughs> and the only projects I have going on are drinking whiskey and doing a podcast. So that's oh my gosh. Busy. My envy of you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh gosh. All right. Well, everyone at home, as always, thanks a ton for listening. This has been a blasty blast. Have fun and play well. May all your roles be crits. Thanks for listening. If you like our style, please subscribe or rate, like the podcast within your app. It helps fellow listeners find us. We really appreciate it. So thank you. To join the community, you can find us on Twitter and Discord, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to get connected and join the fun. This episode is copyrighted by High Shelf Gaming LLC and is not cleared for broadcast or syndication without written approval. The music was provided by Lil Funky on YouTube and our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. Take care, friends. (music) 